about the congregation to stand. Our gospel lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verses 20 through 31. Then he, Jesus, looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice on that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, For you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. But I say to you who are listening, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat... Do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who asks of you, and if anyone takes away what is yours, do not ask for it back again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I invite you to be seated. A few Sundays ago, during the sermon, I think I had mentioned that I had taken a text from the lectionary, and someone after worship, or a couple of days after, I don't recall, asked me, he said, what is this lectionary? What's this book that you read? I'd like to know more about it. Well, in short, it's the ecumenical church's three-year cycle of weekly and daily scripture readings. It's like a guide for the church, for preaching and for devotionals and for teaching, It's an ancient tradition providing the church a way to read and challenging the church to read a wider selection of all the scriptures we have in the Bible. And I appreciate the fact that it means that the church ecumenical across many denominational lines, by and large, focus on the same text each Sunday, which today is one of those days on this All Saints Sunday that we recognize with the church in all places all around the world today. We remember in the great cloud of saints. And it challenges me, your preacher, to, pe- to preach texts that on, on any given day I might not choose for myself to preach. And sometimes they're not very difficult. But sometimes they're very difficult, rather, to preach. So if you wonder what the lectionary is, I hope that helps you. Now I mention it also because um, today is the second time we've been given this passage from Luke's Gospel. And I, I'm sure you remember, but I preached it way back in February uh, this year. <laughs> But today on this All Saints Sunday, we read it with a different kind of focus. We read it as an encouragement for all the saints of Jesus Christ to, to live out our faith in our life and our living. And we read it as a way to remember the saints among us and those who have gone on to glory in the last year. And the church has done this since the earliest days of Christendom. We celebrate women and men whose lives and ministries bless the church that have blessed us. 
and to have blessed all of God's people. We give thanks today for the gifts which God bestowed upon their lives <coughs> and upon us as a result. Yet what is the standard by which we are called saints? When do we become saints, are saintly? For Jesus, the standards are, are listed quite clearly in the Beatitudes, we might say, based on Christ's standards of blessings and woes. There's a very clear difference. Jesus says, blessed are the poor, the hungry, the weeping, are those who are hated, are reviled, are, are given a bad name because they followed Christ. And in contrast, and compared to the standards of the world, those things like wealth and comfort and working to maintain our good reputation at all costs are things to be avoided. They are woeful. So we clearly want to be in the category of the blessed. We want to avoid being in the category of the woeful. However, does this mean that there are only two kinds of people in the world, blessed or woeful? If we were, try to, if we were to try to resolve this to be the case, I feel we, well, we hit a lot of snags with that. It, it's troublesome to think that way. Speaking for myself, I cannot understand the pain of poverty, and I can't remember a night that I've ever gone to bed hungry. In fact, I know comforts. One might argue too many comforts, considering the realities of our world. I have a heart for those who weep in this world, those who grieve, but I confess that sometimes I worry a bit too much about what people think of me. I'm not too ashamed to admit that. So perhaps we can look at this in a way that's not so binary as if there's two kinds of people. It's clear to me that Jesus, given this, these two very obvious and diametrically post standards by which we strive for, does have a message for us, though. But it's not that there are only two kinds of us in the world. Even the lives of those that we call saints support this. As I read another person to say this week, I presume that if we knew the whole truth of a saint's life, we would somewhere find a truth that's more complicated and less holy than legend would allow. I think there's a lot of truth in that. Think about all the crooked, haloed saints that Jesus has been spending time with as we've read our way through Luke this last year. He has dined with sinners and tax collectors and, and Samaritans. He's lifted up the poor, the downtrodden. He's called the rich to walk alongside him. And every one of them in some way flawed, perhaps, but still worthy of redemption, still worthy of being lifted up, subject still, all of them, to the call of God's, of God's call upon their life. And I don't know about you, but this gives me hope. I say this because I know full well that my own life often, and it's taken as a whole, needs grace to redeem it, revise it, and edit it. And the best that I can ever hope for, if I'm ever to be called a saint, is to be a saint whose halo sits a little crooked on the top of my head. The church is made up of millions of people. All of us blessed in many ways. In many ways, we may be woefully in need of redemption, but we are all a work in progress, we saints. 
Yet while we are here doing our best to work out our faith in fear and trembling, trying to adjust our lives for the halo God will place upon all our heads one day, we are called to treat each other, to treat each other like we want to be treated. One of the most basic lessons of faith. So it reminded me, I want to tell you about St. Chester. You've never heard of St. Chester. He's buried in a pauper's grave on the west end of Louisville, Kentucky. Chester was buried there because when he died, he had no money or no family that might offer him a funeral like you and I might be accustomed to. Many years before I met Chester, he was homeless and lived on the streets. But along the way, he started to, to connect with folks in his life who helped him see a better way. He, he got connected to the church that I served, and, and he got things together by and large. However, let me just say that Chester was never easy to work with when I worked with him in the meal program there. He had this tendency to disagree with me on just about everything I did. And he was not too slow to tell me about it either. Tact was not what he was called a saint for by me. One of the habits he had was hoarding food that had just expired. The idea of throwing away food that was expired but still edible made no sense to him. You see, he is blessed because he had been poor. He was blessed because he'd been hungry. And the idea of throwing food away, it just didn't make any sense to him. We had a few battles over this because for health code reasons, we had to get rid of it. He won many of those. However, when it came to relating with our guests... He was second to no one. When it came to understanding the realities of those who are homeless or hungry, when it came to lifting up all as beloved children of God, he taught me much. I do not think Jesus could have showed as much compassion to those than Chester did, and I think Jesus would agree with me. And I remember well the day that we buried him in the pauper cemetery in Louisville. I considered that day how different this funeral was, and I've considered since then how different it was from any I have attended since. We buried him in a public services coffin, and there was a lean-to chapel that looked more like a nativity scene in front of a church than it did a chapel. It even looked like it was discarded barn wood that it had been made out of. It was an austere cemetery, and I don't think there was a marble headstone to be seen but I was full of joy for having known this man. Yes, he had his rough edges, but the light of Christ shone through him in many ways and in many times. Stories told about a man who took his child to chapel service at Duke University Divinity School, and it was a day like today, and the, the sun was coming through the stained glass windows in a way that, that I rarely did, and it was beautiful. And the windows there, I understand, are full of the pictures of saints. And the father sitting next to a child says, son, do you know who the saints are? And the son looked up at the window and said, yes, dad. The saints are the ones that the light, light is shining through. In his book, First Lady Michael Malone asked us, what is a saint? He said, if the stars were the light, then I'd say saints are people the light shines through. Not just the famous Saints, because the famous ones are stars too, like anybody else. But the everyday saints around us in the world, light shines through them and illuminates what they see. 
The light just goes right through them to what they love so that they can see its beauty because of that light. They don't get in the way because they are looking in the same direction as the light is pointing. This is who Chester was for me. But it's also all those we lifted up today by name. None of the saints live perfectly. Every one of them would agree with me, I'm sure. That they're saints because of the light of God. And they're saints because the light of God shone through them. One of the great beauties of Jesus' life in these beatitudes and his ministry is that blessed or woeful, Jesus believed that we could all be redeemed. Some of us lifted up, some of us humbled. Jesus believed that we could love each other as we each would want to be loved. Jesus did not dismiss the poor or the grieving or the weeping. He did not also disqualify those who sinned and fell short. Instead, he called the poor and the forgotten, the blessed and the woeful. Those who did not feel loved, he called to see that God loves one person as much as the next person, even you. Jesus called the woeful to live kinder and more generous, but he still called. So let us be clear that he called them all children of God and daughters and sons of Abraham. So I do not think that the gospel today is about waiting to see if, in fact, at our deaths we will gain eternal life or have the halos, halos placed upon our heads. Instead, it's an invitation to love and to live in the world recognizing that God sees the poor, the hungry, and they are blessed. And so must we see. It's an invitation to create a more peaceful world by simply treating each other with love as we want to be loved. It's to see that every one of us, we are as a whole knit together in one communion and fellowship in the mystical body of Christ that we celebrate at this table today. And as I look again or think about the names and the candles that we had lit today, and just to name a couple, I am thankful for Randy Capps who saw the potential in every person he met. I'm thankful for the warm welcome that Dot Brown always gave me when I came to see her. I'm thankful for Bob Rice, who used humor and laughter in his smile to show the world how much God loves it. But as I look around this room now, and I'm not going to name names, I'm thankful for the way that I see you love each other. I'm thankful for the way that you open this church up for those who are homeless, are in recovery, are needing a meal. Every All Saints Sunday, I also take a moment to think about my own mortality. One day, God willing, someone will read my name in memory. May it be known that on that day that only God's grace overcame the woeful part of who I have been and what I can be. Let it also be known that I have been blessed. But also may it be known that if there's anything in my life that's shown the light of God, that it is God and only God that we give the glory. For I am only, and I suppose we are all only, saints that can wear crooked halos. You know, some saints today are remembered by having cathedrals named after them. Some saints are in, lie in rest under marble tombs with eternal flames above them. 
Other saints are born in pauper's cemeteries. Others, I suppose, are in unmarked graves. But Lord, for all these saints today, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for the witness of their life and their love of your people. And as we come to this table today, may we make room for all the saints who are with us. Thanks be to God. Amen.